let's get started. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, bless us today as we study um, as part of this little follow-up series of our great reset series with It Is Written and Pastor Peppers. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, so um, how many of you were here last night or watched last night? Anybody? Not a really big showing. <laughs> but uh, we looked last night at the power of God's love through the lens of Psalm 139. Today we're going to look at God's law and His love and then a final victory of God's love at our 1130 service. So, you know, uh, there's this controversy between love and hate. Uh, Satan comes, the thief comes, not but to hurt, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. So there's always this controversy between these two. And that text, John 10, 10, summarizes it nicely. Hate versus love. And last night we looked at this psalm. I put it in an easy text for you. So you could read uh, um, the opposite way you normally read and exercise yourself. But this key psalm was Psalm 139. Now how many of you today could help me by summarizing last night's message. What were the points of last night's message? A teacher knows exactly how well they did by such questions as this, and I feel as though maybe I should look for a different profession. But <laughs> <laughs> Psalm 139. Remember this? God fully what? In the lowest parts of the earth, my eyes saw your substance being yet unformed, and in my book they all were written. The days fashioned for you, when as yet there was none of them. Right? That was verse what? <laughs> People are just guessing. And by the way, uh, the verses are not inspired in the Bible. They were added in 1100, so if you get that wrong... You just have to say things like Jesus did. It's written in the scroll. How many think that would be much easier on your Bible exam? <laughs> it is written in the scroll. I don't know that Dr. Fiditas would go for that, but that's being unbiblical. Just tell him that. Uh, so God fully formed you, verse 13 to 15. And then verse 1 through 6, what's it say? Oh Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know my rising up and my sitting down. You know my thoughts afar off and are acquainted with all my ways. And in your book, they're all written, right? Remember that? So he not only fully formed you, he fully what? He fully knows you. But then what was the third one? He also fully, verse 7 through 12, where can I go from your presence, right? And where can I flee from your spirit? If I make my bed in the grave, you're there, right? So he fully does what? follows you everywhere. He's like the divine stalker. He follows you closer than people on social media. He knows everything about you. And with this, what does he think of you? He fully what? Uh, precious also are your thoughts to me. Oh God, how great is the sum of them. If I could count them, they'd be more in number than the sand. So we saw that there's six Italian grains of sand, they think, on the beaches of the world. But that's not all the sand in the world. And that's how many thoughts he has about you. Wow. You know, average person has 60 to 70 
thousand thoughts a day, and the problem is 90% of them are repetitive and 80% negative. God has thoughts about us every single day, and he does not leave you. When I awake, I am still with you. So this psalm was really showing the love of God. We talked about that last night. As a result, what do we want to do? What do we say? What do we do? We fully accept him, fully defend him. How I hate those who hate you, it says. And then, in gratitude, what do we do next? We ask him to do what? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, know my anxieties, and see if there's any wicked way in me, and do what? Lead me in the way everlasting. So, leadership of God springs from what? The love of God. So, is it easier to follow someone you love or someone you hate? Some people make their life after following people they hate, so I don't know if that's a good question. But uh, in the long run, it's easier to follow someone you love. So what do you suppose causes those anxieties? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my what? Anxieties. The little word there is thoughts, but they must be anxious thoughts. What is it that causes the anxieties? See if there, know if there's any wicked way in me, right? Um, so the wicked things are probably causing the anxieties. Great peace have they which love thy law. Nothing shall offend them, and in literally nothing they shall offend. So probably the wickedness is related somehow to the anxiety. And how would we know if something is wicked or not? In our psalm, it told us, they speak evil against you wickedly. Your enemies take your what? So you know something's wicked if God's name is being taken in vain. What does that mean? To take God's name in vain. Lack of respect as demonstrated how? We have a very aggressive person answering all the questions here. How many are not going to let her do every single question? Although we appreciate it. What do you think? Anything else other than that? Okay. Duplicitous and uh, hypocritical. That's actually a very technical thing. Take your name in vain. We're going to come back to it. But here's kind of a text that might help you. Read this with me. And in what vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the what? The commandments of men. So vanity is basically not following God's commandments and coming up with your own commandments. Right? Um, and you know, what are the commandments? What would you say? If you, commandments are telling you where things should be, a proper place for things. You know, don't worship other gods, worship me. Hmm? Um, don't go to church on 
other days of the week, go to church on Sabbath. Don't sleep with other people or be intimate with other people um, than your spouse, right? So vanity is misplacing things um, as well. So we can spot vanity by looking at God's law. And there's two options when we look at God's law. One, we can say, Lord, change me, or we can say, I will change you. I'll change your law. And in history, you know, you saw that. You have in Daniel 7 these kingdoms that we studied in our seminar, Babylon, Medo-Persia, and what's next? And what's next? Rome. And then what's next? The little horn power in Daniel 7, verse 8, that would think to do what? He would think to change times and laws. So you have this whole power. You know, if you go to Constance, Germany, you see this courtesan, statue of a courtesan, which is quite a ribald, in, uh, in the Bay. How many of you have ever been to Constance, Germany? Nobody? You've been to Constance? Never been to Constance? And you live in Germany. I'll have to take you there sometime. These people live in Germany. They've never been there. So, um, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna, yeah, this is not good. Um, but back there was a huge council. And you can see on the one hand of the statue is the Pope. And the other is Sigismund, the emperor. They're both naked because they were there for a church council. But they also had 1,000 prostitutes that came to keep the clergy company. No wonder there were some problems back then, right? And so this statue is showing how the courtesan was manipulating the, uh, the male population. And then in the town, you have three peacocks, that are reminding them of the three popes that were ruling at that time. So if someone starts to change God's law, they don't get along with God, guess what? They don't get along with other people either. And at that time, there were three popes. Um, One was in in Germany, one was in France, and Avignon, in one of the papal states, a little piece of parcel of land. It actually was owned by those in Italy, but they lived there. And then the third one was in Rome. And they all hated each other. Guess what they called each other? They called each other the Antichrist. And guess what passage they used from the Bible? Daniel 7, 2 Thessalonians 2. And they were all calling each other the Antichrist. And finally, they... Um, you know, they all agreed with each other, but they got rid of two, two of them. And, and because they got rid of two and only had one pope, that's why they um, burned Huss at the stake, because he was there protesting the corruption. But then they got rid of two of the popes, and they said, we got rid of the corruption so we can get rid of you with your voice of reform as well. Very interesting. So what happened since then was what? Um, you know... What happened with the papacy was, you know, all these different 
changes that they brought, thinking to change times and laws or truth, the Sunday law and Mary worship, infant baptism, worship of images, the mass, celibacy, um, confession, Bible reading by laymen forbidden, Pope claims supremacy over the leaders, purgatory becomes a dogma, and tradition becomes equal to the Bible. Actually, that's a wrong statement. Tradition actually was seen as more authoritative than the Bible if the two disagreed. So you have this church falling away and paganism becomes tradition. Again, thinking to uh, teaching as doctrines the what? Command. And so the Reformation was meant to bring back truth. And so various denominations trumpeted various aspects of truth. The Orthodox said, we will not bow to the Pope, and so you should not have a Pope. The United Brethren, the authority of the Bible, the Church of England, no images, idols, or Mary worship. Lutherans, justification by faith. The Presbyterians, practical Christianity instead of formal religion. And then the Baptists, Bible baptism, not sprinkling, but immersion. And then Methodist separation of church and state and belief in the Ten Commandments. And then Seventh-day Adventist, Advent means to appear, so the appearing. And then the three angels, messages of Revelation 14 and the Sabbath, Seventh-day, which is the Sabbath Adventist second coming. And so you have this... um, quest for bringing back the truth. Christ rebuked the the use of traditions when they violate God's commands. Why do you transgress the commandment of God? Because of your what? Tradition. And in Matthew 15, they were ignoring the commandment to honor their father and mother by giving some offering to the temple and then mistreating their commandments. So what was in focus there was the fifth commandment. So truth then comes back. You have the various groups, the Waldenses, the Huguenots, the Columba or Columba in Scotland, the Lucian in Syria, Timothy in Baghdad, and, and then Adam in China, where they're bringing back the truth um, in terms of the reform, reforming uh, reformation of the church. So God's desire, though, remains the same. What is his desire? What is God's greatest desire? What would you say? Ecumenism? I heard someone reunite us. Um, uh, probably partially, but what was, what's another one? To save us. Well, let me ask you this. What is the largest quotation from the Old Testament to the New? That's not very large. God is love. Um, although that's very comprehensive. What's the largest quotation from the Old Testament to the New, would you say, Flavia? Do you have an idea, Bruno? What? Love. So, <laughs> all right, guys. Yes. Um, 
the largest quotation from the Old Testament to, do, to the New is Jeremiah 31 and repeated in Hebrews 8, 10 through 12, and then also repeated in Hebrews 10, 16, and 17. You know, uh, actually starting on verse 29, Hebrews chapter, or rather Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 29 through 34. Fathers have eaten sour grapes and the teeth of the children are fully set on edge. Right? I don't like this proverb anymore in Israel. The soul that sins it shall die. This is the covenant I'll make with the house of Israel after those days. I will do what? How many of you know this quotation? It's the largest quotation from the Old Testament to the New. It's the big deal. It's the, it's the big kahunta. It's the, it's the kerygma. It's the core. It's the seed. Well, why don't we read it? I'll put it up on the screen. How about that? But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will do what? Put my law in their inward parts, and I will write my law in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be what? My people. They shall teach no more every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all do what? Know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, saith the Lord. So this is his biggest objective, that everybody would be reached. Has that happened yet? So if he writes his law in your heart and mind, what is that? That's sanctification, right? And if he comes back into relationship with everybody, that's reconciliation. And if he's teaching everybody or everyone's taught, that's mission. Mission accomplished. You know, it's not accomplished until the latter rain, right? But this is the picture given way back in the Old Testament. This is his biggest objection, or rather objective. <laughs> and then it ends by saying what? For I will, will do what? Forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. This is the largest quotation from the Old Testament to the New. This is the biggest objective of God. Now, some of you said love. And of course, love is the fulfilling of the law. And if you love me, keep my commandments. And you're my friends indeed if you keep my commandments, right? So love was right, but... A little more expansive than, than love. The law of the Lord is perfect. So why, why is it that the, the law needs to be shared? It's perfect doing what? Converting or restoring the soul. Would you say the largest need in the world today is conversion? So largest need in the church and in the world as well, right? Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I've kept thy word. So when we are not living in loving ways, we suffer affliction, or even just being in a world of sin, we suffer affliction and disease and death. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting or restoring the soul. I like this. Look at this. Psalm 119, 129. Read this with me. Your rules are marvelous. Therefore, I observe them. Your instructions are a doorway through which light shines. They give insight to the untrained. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commands. 
Do you find yourself getting up in the morning panting to go through the commandments? Having an emotional response? This is how much uh, he liked this. Now, I think I covered a bunch, bunch of slides here, which I think I will show you. Because um, I just want to make sure that you get this idea. It's kind of ubiquitous. It's everywhere. The commandments are for your good, written by God in the heart. Numerous times it says that, right? They're perfect. They convert the soul. They're pure. More to be desired are they than gold. Yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey from the honeycomb. They bring liberty. It's a law of liberty. They bring truth. A great peace have they which love thy law. Nothing shall offend them. Psalm 119, 165. They bring righteousness. They are ordained to bring life. They are established by faith. And the law is holy, just, and good, right? Um, and it is spiritual, it says in Romans 7. And the law is to be fulfilled in spirit-led lives. And the law reveals sin, <clears throat> that every mouth might be stopped, <clears throat> and everyone would come to Christ. And the law then is kept in his church by the saints. So, this is why it's such a big deal. How we can see why it's such a big deal. I will write my law in your hearts and minds, so that then... Love, the love of God is seen not just in the head, that is Christ, but also in his body, that is the church. So, you know, um, I've covered this several times with the congregation here, but some of you are new. And so I wanted to show this because, you know, it says that God's commandments are a delight. They restore the soul. They're perfect. Why is it that they are called all these things, the law of liberty? Why is it they're seen as not being burdensome? Oh, by the way, there's a whole other list of texts in the New Testament about the law. Did you know that? It's the ministry of death. It's, how many of you remember all these texts? It, it's a schoolmaster. And it gives a whole different slant to those texts. How many of you remember all these texts? They're in Galatians, they're in Romans. We're going to cover those in the next couple of weeks because these are the first things that people get thrown at them when they tell someone, well, you know what, I'm now keeping the Sabbath or I'm now, um, uh, you know, wanting God's law in my life. So we're going to cover all those texts over the next couple of weeks, okay? Because they always come up. But I wanted to cover the good side first, which is uh, that list I just went through. But why is it that the commandments are so good? Well, let me just show you this. This is what I discovered a few months ago and utilize in my counseling now because if the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul, how many of you think that, spiritually speaking, if I can help people see where there might be a blind spot or the Holy Spirit can help them see where there's a blind spot in their life and they allow the Holy Spirit to fix that, how many think that might help their problems? So... The last commandment is thou shalt not covet. Coveting is by definition what? Being dissatisfied with what you have. Might be your wife, might be your husband, might be your house, might be your car. How many of you today are dissatisfied with your car? Okay, a number of you are set up for coveting. Um, how many of you 
are, are coveting my car. <laughs> Nobody. I didn't think so. Uh, so <laughs> coveting is, by definition, sets you up for dissatisfaction. When you're dissatisfied, the marketers have a great time, right? And that's all they do. All these marketing ads are trying to play on your dissatisfaction. If you're dissatisfied, are you less or more apt to listen to lies? You're more susceptible to lies, right? You heard about the person that's getting older in life and thinks, I need to get married. And so they just marry a disaster person because they're just falling for anything at this point. Nobody's ever heard of this happening? <laughs> wow, this is a very, very, <laughs> you're, you're giving me the X sign, Pam. You said. Right, she says that's not for her. So any eligible bachelors, you just, just stay away from Pam. So uh, she is not dissatisfied with her life, and so just leave her alone. So dissatisfaction can open you up for lies. <laughs> can open you up for lies. You know that old, old rock and roll song, not that I should know it, but, uh, but, but somehow I do. Tell me lies, tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies, right? Some of you are nodding your head, and, and I, thought, I thought so much of you, but you know these songs. It's okay, I still love you. So dissatisfaction, lies, opens you up to lies, and then... When you're dissatisfied and open up to lies, you sometimes can do things that you're ashamed of or allow things to be done to you that you're ashamed of. Right? Which is, thou shalt not steal. Um, and some of us have been stolen from or stolen from others because of dissatisfaction and untruths. This messes up our intimacy. It adulterates it. Thou shalt not commit what? Adultery. We're actually covering... Exodus 20, aren't we? Which is another chapter in the Bible. It's the law of God that he wants to write in our hearts and minds. And if you're dissatisfied, you're being told lies, you're ashamed or have shamed others, or if your intimacy is messed up, many times people get angry at that point and they want to kill somebody or they want to kill themselves. And so these last five commandments of God show the burdens of life that can come if we don't allow God's law to be written in our hearts and minds. How I many can see that? And just to add the fifth commandment, usually dissatisfaction, lies, shame, intimacy, problems, or anger, or killing come because of a mess up by some type of authority figure. Honor thy father and thy... But maybe they act in dishonorable ways. Or maybe a politician... That's an authority figure, acts in dishonorable ways. How many of you know any politicians that have acted in dishonorable ways? And how many of you know anybody that's dissatisfied as a result and listens to all kinds of lies as a result? See how this works? What about police? Are people upset in this country about police misusing their authority? Hmm? So this authority issue is really big. And so abuse issues, authority issues... Um, this happens. So if we're dissatisfied, lies, shame, intimacy problems, or anger, or killing, this is what leads to disease and depression in our lives. And this is why the commandments are not burdensome. They're meant to save you from burdens. They're meant to do what? 
restore the soul. Now, if people have all these things, I ask them usually, if you're dissatisfied and all these things are happening, how is it that you get through the day? And guess what they say? I go to the Salon Health Suboxone Clinic. Or maybe I don't go to the Suboxone Clinic. I just go for the drugs directly. Or maybe I'm watching pornography. Or maybe I'm overeating. Or maybe I'm self-medicating in some way. I'm so low that I have to get high. So mama's got a squeeze box. Daddy never sleeps at night. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? All right. I'm just trying to figure out who I need to visit this week by <laughs> saying they know these songs. All right. So, yes, this is a problem, right? But now notice something. Now, let me t- tell you something. Remember when it says that in Psalm 139, I hate those who hate you. I hate your enemies who take your name in vain. And remember how he said... Taking God's name in vain is actually sinning. Remember that? So where is God's name in God's law? It is not associated with the last five commandments. God's name is not associated with commandment number 10, 9, 8, 7, or 6. Not associated. He doesn't even want to say his name next to those. But guess where his name is associated? With the first five. I, the Lord thy God, brought thee up out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Yahweh Elohim. I made a judgment that I want to be Elohim in relationship with you. We want to be, we are a relationship, Him, but we want to be in relationship with you, and so we're going to deliver you. Can you say hallelujah? hallelujah. That's commandment number one. Commandment number two, but showing, you know, Mercy unto thousands of them that love me and do what? Keep my commandments. I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Don't make any graven images or any likeness of anything in the heavens above the earth beneath. Don't bow down thyself to them or serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. I'm jealous. I want to have a relationship with you, not any little facsimile. And I, I want to show you mercy, and I, I want to show you love. You're not saved by your works. You're saved by God's mercy. They had a guy in the temple that all the time just screamed all day, for his mercies are great, his mercies are great. That's all he's doing. That's all he does all day. Why? Because people get confused. They think, no, I did that. And so there need to be the great reset all day. Mercies are great. You're not. <laughs> Mercies are great. Amen? How many of you like to be that guy in the temple just screaming that all day? And then the songs, all the songs, songs of ascent, bringing you out of depression, upward towards God, ascending melody. So deliverance, love and mercy. And when we see God's deliverance is love and mercy... We don't want to do what? Thou shalt not take the name of the... How do we take God's name in vain? In vain do they... Teaching as the commandments of men. So the, way, the, 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 the biggest vanity is to do what? Come up with new commands. So when they came out of Egypt... Oh, by the way, I'm going to Egypt uh, in five weeks. Still want to go? We have a couple seats. We're going to go see all these places. 
But when you're in Egypt, they had like 80 or 90 gods. They had 2,000 commandments. And God said, that's far too many. Let me just give you... Actually, let me just give you what? That are associated with my what? Name. The first five are the only ones associated with God's name. So don't make up your own rules. Go with my rules. And then what happens? Then your life is filled with what? Gratitude. And what do you do? Every day, you have a devotional life where you're praising God. You start with praise. Praise God for His mercy. I'm still alive, even though I ate all that horrible food yesterday, and I lived through the night. Has has anyone ever said that? All right. If I want honest people, i got to go to AA, it looks like. So, um, anybody ever had said that? Okay. So, gratitude daily and weekly. So, every week, coming to church, I'm expressing gratitude. And then what happens? As a result of that, I use my authority, Fifth Commandment, to parent other people and help them visit widows and orphans in their affliction, right? So I might go and deliver them a food basket if they feel down and out, right? Amen? I'm on the lookout to right the wrongs of authority figures um, by being a good role model um, and ministering to them so that their dissatisfaction goes away. They live lives of truth and they live lives that are not shameful and they are able to have intimacy within God's confines again and they don't feel like killing themselves and they're not angry. How many are beginning to see the commandments, how beautiful they really are? And then what happens? I'm not getting high, I'm getting what? Most high. The problem is we don't get high enough. In your presence is what? Fullness of joy. You know, the people that are just doing the drugs, I feel sorry for them because they're not, they're not getting that high. You know, my next door neighbors, there was a SWAT team. Three SWAT teams came and did a sting on my next door neighbors. And there was a helicopter coming around. I said, oh my, the time of trouble has begun. They figured out that I, I'm keeping the Sabbath, but it wasn't me. It was, it was my neighbors. And, you know, this is the second sting operation on my neighbors. And they just started carting them off. They had all these carts and, well, they weren't really carts. Uh, they were like, you know, SWAT vehicles. And they actually had staging up here on West Paoli. They had three ambulances and about 30 other teams and like four more SWAT teams. I guess they thought it was really going to be a bad thing. But I talked to Josh when he got back, my neighbor, and I said, Josh, I told you, you're getting high. You got to get most high. They can't find you if you get most high. You'll be in the stratosphere, not down here in the atmosphere. You will be so high. (laughs) Someday Josh is going to listen. So, Depression then turns into what? Recovery. This is why the Bible says, 
that God's commandments are not what? Burdensome. They actually give us liberty. And whose name is associated with the first five? God's name. Honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long on the land which the Lord thy God gives thee. Personal property, all that blessing on the economy, all comes from the Ten Commandments. Without the Ten Commandments, there's no real government that helps people have a life of liberty. There's none of this. But with God's laws, everything changes. That's why the book of Exodus is so pivotal. It's almost more important to read Exodus before you read Genesis. Because it, it shows how God is liberating people, a whole group of people. And notice, God's name is not associated at all with the last five commandments. Now, of course, if you allow God to deliver you, show his mercy and love to you, write his laws on your heart and mind, and express, live lives of gratitude, and don't misuse your authority, then you are going to be such a blessing in helping everybody in that other category to have life and have it what? More abundantly. Hmm. This is the beauty, the beauty of it. So it says this, by this we know that we know him. How, how many of you have ever wondered if you really knew God? This is how. By this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. So you're looking for a church. <laughs> you want to say, do they really know God? What do they do with the commandments? Does that make sense? What do they do with that? Or do I really know God? This is how we know if we know him, if we keep his commandments. Or could we say, if we allow his commandments to do what? Keep us. How many think we should allow the commandments to keep us? Now look at this next one, five, two, and three. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God. So remember our, our topic is looking at the law as it's related to love, right? Can you see it now? For this is the love of God that we do what? Keep his commandments, and now we understand it now. And his commandments are not what? They're not a burden at all. All right, any, any comments on what we're studying? You guys are all kind of, any questions about what we're studying? Well, does that make sense? Helpful to you? Because you know what happens when you're new in the faith, the Adventist faith at least, because of its focus on the law, people are asking all kinds of questions. Oh, you became legalists. No, 
<laughs> I have a lot less burdens in my life than I used to. Is that true for you? That's usually what I, what I say. I just didn't quite understand why it was that way. Makes sense, right? Makes sense. And by the way, now you can use the Ten Commandments when you're talking to people. They don't even know it. Like, are you dissatisfied with your life? Oh, yeah. If the president just changed. Oh, it's a decision which was misuse of authority. What do you think they did? You see what I mean? You have great discussions all based on the what? Law of God. And you know it's important because it's the law of God, right? Yeah. Um, let, me, uh, let me show you one other thing here before I got to open up another slide. I, I finished a little earlier than I thought I would. So we have a bonus slide here just in case. Now, here's the thing. Remember this list? If we don't get it right in terms of gratitude, I'm going to develop this more in our next time together. You know, we saw this list of how the law is for our good. It's written by God in the heart. It converts the soul. It's pure, more to be desired than gold. Not that gold. <laughs> that sounds a little too specific. Than gold. More to be desired than honey. It's the law of liberty and freedom of truth. It produces peace and righteousness is ordained to life, established by faith and holy. This is the list we normally hear if we come to an Adventist church, right? This is the list we normally hear. But do you know about the other list? Here's the other list. Oh, oh wait, let me finish it up. It's just, it's good, it's spiritual. And the law is fulfilled in those who walk by the Spirit. And it reveals sin that when we come to Christ and then... Here is the patience of the saints here that, that keep the commandments and have Revelation 12, 17, the testimony of Jesus or 14, 12, the faith of Jesus. So the faith of Jesus, which is a gift, faith is a gift. Then comes the gift of obedience in the context of patient endurance, right? So, but here's the other list, okay? This is the list we normally don't hear, but you will hear it as soon as you tell people you're a Seventh-day Adventist or tell them that you're going to an Adventist church, all of these will come up because they haven't understood what I just showed you. And you, you're, you're going to go, what do I do with those? The law or the commandments of Sinai are they that killed me. They are the power of sin. They are a letter that kills. They are a ministration of death. Their administration of condemnation. They're engraved in stone only, not in the heart, even though all those other texts I showed you, remember all the texts I showed you about on the heart? Well, there's this one text in Corinthians that says, only in stone, not in the heart. A veil which covers the heart and dulls the mind to the reception of spiritual things. Something that is the law that I have to die to in order to be married to Christ and receive salvation. They're not based on faith, and the children of the law, it should say next there, are not free. How many of you have ever heard any of these texts? If you haven't, and you're a new Seventh-day Adventist, you're going to hear all these texts. And you're going to be like, what in the world is going on? Why can the Bible say, it's just, it's good, it's holy, more to be desired than gold, yea, than much fine gold? Great peace have they with love thy law, nothing shall, all those things, and then say these others. 
How many think you need to be able to answer that question? But basically, you already got the answer. What's the answer? What's the answer? Well, I guess maybe you didn't get the answer. How would you answer that question? Yes. Dylan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you hear that? So if you're converted or open to being converted, then the law is wonderful. But if you're not, then the law is miserable. It's a, it's a minister of death. Uh, but how many think you need a little more nuance than even that? Oh, that's, the, that's the general gist. But what we're going to do over the next uh, couple presentations, not too long, but I want to go through each of those texts. How many think it would be well to go through each of those texts? And look at them in context to see exactly what they mean. Does that make sense? Because this whole idea is um, really put forth in the New Testament. So, um, by the way, they continue. A curse from which Jesus redeemed us, that which imprisoned us that which will prevent those who try to live from ever sharing in the inheritance of the saints, that which produces slave children and not free. So when you start to talk about the Sabbath, you start to talk about the law, all these texts will be brought up. Uh, but you've already seen the other list, right? It's good, righteous, holy, and those different things. Um, and the difference is, how are you relating to God? Are you relating out of Gratitude? By the way, I'm going to cover two errors in our next talk here this morning. Um, one error, what are the errors that are usually made concerning God's law? One error that you hear in a lot of churches is this. God's law is bad. Do away with it. Just do away with it. It's nailed to the cross. Get rid of it. Bury it. It's not there anymore. It's been done away with. How many of you have ever heard this argument? That's an error. How many think that's an error? And even in the churches that do that, they realize it's an error. When it really comes down to it, they're usually out against maybe one or two of the commands they don't like. Right? So they'll say, the law's been done away, the law's been done away, but if you start to you know, ask their wife out on a date and you're married, they don't like it. Well, why don't you like it? The law's been done away with. Well, I'm going to do away with you if you do that again. Well, why? Because, you know... The law, because of the law, right? So that's one error. We're going we're to deal with this in our next time together. Um, that is at 11.30. But there's another error. What's another error? That's it. The other error, and it can happen easily to people that um, are newly discovering the law, is the idea that you can actually keep the law in your own power and strength. It's an impossibility. It's an impossibility. How many think that's probably true, what I just said? How many of you have tried to keep the law on your own strength and not doing so well? So that's what we're going to talk about in our next hour, looking at that a little more fully. Um, 
and uh, we're going to get out a little early. We have about uh, 20 minutes. Unless there's any questions you want to ask about any of these things. Yes. Yes, it's true. That's very true. The way of transgressors is hard, so they don't like that, right? Um, yeah, so it's very true. Any other comments, questions? Um, yes? What did you say? So my, my, my quotations were from Fleetwood Mac and The Who. Thank you. <laughs> I think that's very helpful. Yes. Uh, not Donnie Mac, but Fleetwood Mac and The Who. Thank you. Keep on assigning us there. All right. Um, we need to work together. Maybe you can, do my, you can be my lyricist. Um, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, spend some time talking to each other uh, in, in the break. You know, is, is there someone you're witnessing to? ministering to that may need to hear what we listen to. How many would like to have the notes from today? I can make them available to you. Just uh, uh, Maybe I'll put them as an email and send them out uh, in a PDF form because that'll be good for you. I'm, are you on our email list? You should be. Um, we'll, we'll get it to you as well. Very important um, because people are selling themselves short. They're hurting themselves. They're dissatisfied. They, are we living in an era where people are just getting more and more depressed? I mean, homicides are an all-time high. And really, people are in bondage. They're not in liberty. And probably the best thing they could hear is about the God of liberty. And the best thing they could experience is the restoration of soul that comes from the converting power of the law written in their hearts and minds. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you today. We need a great reset in our lives. And that's why we're here today. We come every week to be reset again. Every morning we study. Usually at this time we're studying the Sabbath school lesson, but just a special series this weekend. But we have a quarterly every day, uh, a book we're going through Genesis. So every day we're studying some section of scripture because we need our minds Reset each day to remember that you not only created us like the book of Genesis is teaching us, but you also redeemed us like Genesis and Exodus teach us as well. So bless us as we continue to study and worship and rejoice in what you've done and will do in Christ's name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.